0: To NRFM. it's all about the music and it's all about finance today. Edie Gourmet there and Barry Preston.
1: It certainly is. And again, we're very pleased to have one of our regular guests, one of Australia's best-known financial and political journalists with the Daily and Sunday Telegraphs, the Herald Sun. Sunday Herald Sun and the Australian winner of many awards, Terry McCran. Terry, I've got to ask you this question. What the heck's going on in Canberra? I mean, we've got a division in one party, and irrespective of who wins, if you look at a football team, if one half the team is not happy with the other half the team, I can't see how that team can perform. What's happening?
0: Well, I think you're exactly right, Barry. It's a complete utter shambles, what's going on inside the government. Uh, we want these people to actually be addressing the issues that concern the country, the challenges that concern the country, and the opportunities that we have to seize if we're actually to meet those challenges. And what you see is this bitter infighting, which has got nothing to do with anything of substance. It's just because uh, initially we had Julia Gillard who wanted to be Prime Minister, and now we've got Kevin Rudd who wants to be Prime Minister again. So it's got nothing to do with the big issues. It's all about personalities. And there's bitter contest between the two. What we obviously need, Barry, is an election which would sweep them all away, which would actually give us a government that had a majority that could govern, could actually take the decisions and actually do the things that we need done.
1: Yes, well, we'll see what happens. Terry, interest rates. The RBA sat on the fence, yet expectations, I believe, 13 out of 14 leading economists predicted a cut of about 25 basis points. We've got low inflation, world economic situation on the knife edge, a cut may have been seen the uh, dollar drop, which we probably need, our consumer spending is challenged, Wage demands are rising. Your thoughts?
0: Well, I think you've captured a lot of things there, Barry. Uh, I think it was a very close decision that they could very easily have delivered that cut that everybody expected. Uh, I think that at the end of the day, they made the decision as they did for two reasons. One, those cuts that they gave us at the end of last year, uh, the two cuts in November and December, generally, you'd like to see how that plays out. Uh, they, were, they added up to a fairly significant cuts, and they want to see how that actually flows through to the economy. Uh, And the second thing is back then they were really worried that Europe and Greece was going to blow up Mm. and really cause really serious problems for the world financial markets. That hasn't happened and they're a lot more, they're somewhat more comfortable about that now. So it's a case really of waiting and seeing. But you come back to this basic challenge that they have and that we have. You've got this booming resources sector, but the rest of the economy is looking pretty soft. So Mm. it's hard to balance those two things.
1: And again, there's been many political comments, uh, media comments, concerning banks should not have increased their rates, and yet the smaller lenders, I notice, have been increasing their rates uh, lately, but no-one's made much political comment about that.
0: No, they haven't, Barry, and I can understand why not, in a sense, because the big banks are the big boogie boys in the room, and they, people really focus on them, and I think particularly the Treasurer and politicians think if they can heavy the big banks, the Westpacs, the ANZs, well, then everybody will follow. Hmm. Um, what we've seen here, again, is this co- conflict between perceptions and reality. And the reality is that uh, the big banks and all the banks, indeed, have found it much more expensive raising their money, which they need, obviously, to do to provide the lend- the funds for lending. And some moderate, some moderate increase in their, in their lending rates, irrespective of what the Reserve Bank did, was necessary for them. So, you know, I think that at the end of the day... And the other important point about this barrier is that the Reserve Bank understands this. Uh, It went on the record uh, in the last couple of weeks to say that it, it saw those pressures. But it also means it will adjust its official rate to accommodate that if it thinks it needs to.
1: Interesting. Now, oil prices, jumping around all over the place, oil prices are slowly creeping up. There's unrest in the Middle East and it's placing a lot of pressure on oil prices, yet this has not shown up at the pump. We seem to be shielded somewhat. Let's hope the hotheads in the Middle East settle down and if it doesn't, it could place a fairly heavy pressure on Australia's cost of living.
0: Well, you're right, Barry, and and the the main reason we've been shielded to some extent is the high value of the dollar uh, because oil is in US dollars and the fact that the, the Australian dollar has gone up against the US dollar means that as the oil price goes up, uh, that doesn't flow through into into our prices. Uh, obviously, it, we, we would be looking very unhappy if the Australian dollar was back at the sort of eighty cent level, which hmm. which manufacturers would like, which uh, exporters would like. Uh, so again, it's it's this tough sort of you win some, you lose some reality. And you're right that if the if the Middle East was to blow up. Uh, I don't even think the, Australian, the strength of the Australian dollar would, 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 would shield us from that. And you would get a big increase in oil prices, which would flow through to petrol prices, which would flow through across the board. Uh, to what we pay for things, but also you know, just, just in our own personal consumption expenditure. To and URFM 16 to 1. And Barry Preston, this is Finance. And
1: we have our regular guest, Terry McCran, one of Australia's best-known financial and political journalists. We just talked about the oil price could be creeping up and the dangers of what's happening in the Middle East. But one of the things that uh, is going to hit us from internally very soon is the carbon dioxide tax, once it was called the global warming topic, now it's climate change. I don't know what next week. But the tax of 23 per tonne on the energy engine that drives Australia, our competitiveness, competitiveness is going to be tested. Uh, overseas carbon taxes in, in not many countries is around about 5 or and $9. Terry, what's this going to have on our economy generally?
0: It's going to be devastatingly negative, Barry. I mean, talk about a self-inflicted wound. Talk about a policy decision by, by a government of a, of a country to, to to shoot yourself in the foot. As you say, our cheap energy is the fundamental engine of our competitiveness and our growth. And here we are, we're going to go and whack a $23 a ton price, additional price on the cost of that energy, which is not only to us, obviously, as consumers, but it's very importantly to business. And we are already seeing firms like Alcoa, the aluminium smelting companies say uh, the dollar at the level it is is a big enough threat to staying in business in Australia when they will also have to pay this carbon tax on top of it it more or less guarantees that that industry will close down in Australia and move to China which will make obviously no difference to the emissions but in the world's emissions but will devastate Australia and uh, one of the things I would have thought would have liked to have seen uh, in terms of this shenanigans in Canberra is for Kevin Rudd to actually offer a policy differentiation from, from the current government and to say, yes, I'm in favour of the carbon tax, but at this time it's insane to bring it in at the level that you that we've promised to do so when it's so much higher than anything paid anywhere else in the world. Uh, let's either postpone it or let's uh, bring it in at a, at, a, at a much lower starting point.
1: On top of the, on top of that, and what's happening now, we have, and this has been going on for years, and they've been opening their mouths and they've been telling us that uh, we're going to look at red tape. Now, red tape, uh, and you mentioned this in one of your articles, and it was an excellent, excellent article. Warnings can't be ignored. You said you have no idea how small business survives or any businesses survive, and we're finding it ourselves. Well, Why this red enough. tape? Well,
0: it's tough enough, Barry. Just doing business, operating a business in terms of the pressures that you face in the marketplace, the com- competition you now face pretty much from around the world thanks to the growth of the online world and computers, But in addition to that to have to deal with all the burden of regulation and red tape that governments, both federal and state, impose on you is just mind-boggling and, and I have enormous sympathy and admiration for small business in particular Who doesn't, can't afford the, the legions of accountants and lawyers and so on to, to deal with it, that they have to deal with it themselves. Uh, And yes, it's a, it's a huge additional burden on business at a time in which you're struggling against the high dollar if you're a manufacturer, you're struggling against the high dollar if you're trying to export, and you've got this additional burden. And you're also going to get the carbon tax come uh, July 1.
1: But why do they keep passing regulations? It seems to be a milestone or a target. The more regulations we pass, the better. But the regulations that they are being passed are really not good because the previous regulations are not understood. I I don't understand. Well, it's
0: so easy if you're sitting in Canberra to decide that this needs to be done to make uh, things better for minorities (laughs) or to to have health and safety regulations or all sorts of things and it's uh, very easy to sit in Canberra to pass the laws and to pass the regulations and you're not, ha- you're not having to deal with it at the coalface. And I think that that's another point about the nature of who politicians are these days, Barry, in the old days they would actually be people that had, had some experience of real life, be, had experience of being either a worker in a, real, in a real industry or a small business owner or whatever, now they're all just people that have lived their entire life in the political process, uh, and have no, absolutely no, and Julie Gellard is, and both Julie Gellard and Kevin Rudd are perfect examples of that. They've never worked outside the political process in their entire lives. I mean, Kevin Rudd was a, was a diplomat for a while, but that's hardly dealing with reality.
1: Having said that, the European challenge, here's another one. It seems the Europeans are suffering a form of speech therapy as there are talks and talks and talks and talks with little action. Greece has defaulted, I believe. I believe they've written off about fifty three percent of certain loans. What's this can you see anything playing out positively in that area?
0: No, Barry, I can't. I think what they're doing is just shifted the problem further down the road and thrown hundreds of billions of dollars at us. I mean, the, the total amount of money that's flowing to Greece is something like $300 billion, and it's just a tiny part of the problem. As you say, there's Spain, much bigger economy, Italy, much bigger economy, both with much bigger debts, and the same issue has to be addressed there. So they've, they've tried a paper over the cracks, Barry, and it's not going to be something that's going to be sustained. At some point... Uh, Europe is going to blow up in a big way and uh, because what they're trying to do is completely unsustainable. It's not really dealing with the basic problems.
1: 2020, I believe, if they keep going the way they are, Greece's uh, debts will still be, uh, or the running of their debts will still be 120% of its gross domestic product. That is unsustainable. That can's being kicked down the road a little
0: bit. Exactly. I mean, they go through this process of throwing $300 billion at Greece they're asking the Greeks to, which I think they have to do to some extent because they try to live beyond their means, to cut spending dramatically, to cut wages dramatically. And as you say, at the end of all that, they've still got a huge problem. They're still down, 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 down the bottom of the mine.
1: Terry, let's hope Australia doesn't get to the stage where we have a huge problem like that too. Look, thank you very much indeed on behalf of everyone at 2 FM 103.7. Terry, thank you very much and we'll be back soon.